Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. And I think today is going to be a big treat and a lot of fun. So I have a very special guest uh, in the proverbial studio, Cute Blacks. And, and I'm, Cute, I'm not sure if you're aware, as I was sort of looking through some notes here, uh, preparing for our chat today, I realized that you and I have a number of things in common. Uh, firstly, we both, I think, have the honor of being best-selling authors. I think we both, I think the concept of an inspirational speaker or a transformational teacher are certainly categories that I've, uh, would be used to categorize you and me respectively. I, I think that it would be safe to say, um, I certainly, I hail from Africa, uh, born in Johannesburg, South Africa. And uh, I see that on one part of your one part of your parental heritage is on the West Coast, which is of Africa, which is Ghana. And what I like so much about what I've seen, Kutan, obviously we're just getting getting to know each other here, is that very much my life work, and I think it is, and I see in you as well, <clears throat> is redefining the concept of success or the paradigm of success, rethinking, I think, through what the concept of greatness is, um, and I think the, the, um, the other box that we can both check is sort of coming from a, a somewhat of a spiritual background, you being the son of a, of a spiritual leader, and, and I come from a religious Jewish background. So there's some interesting connection, connectivity here. So the, firstly, welcome, Kute. Welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely an honor and a pleasure. So I, I try and sort of approach these discussions a lot uh i think very different to to most and i think that that's what has resonated with our, our listeners and i'm and i guess the, the place where i would like to start is is am i correct in saying that what drives you what inspires you is to it seems like you try to and you no, don't try you succeed in um helping people get out of their own way, helping people be inspired, helping people not necessarily uh, take everything that they hear in social media or pop culture, if you will, as, as gospel and really critically thinking things. That's my sense from a sort of a, a hundred thousand foot over, overview of, of uh, your work, which is fantastic. But I want to give you the podium, get us, give me a mm -hmm. sense of what drives you, um, you know, what, why, why do you think your message has resonated? Um, you, you know, you've been the recipient of, of some terrific awards, including the, uh, the Walden Award, which was, you know, has been given to the likes of Oprah Winfrey. So certainly this uh, something about the premise of your message that seems to be connecting. 
Yeah. Um, for me, it's about freedom. Uh, because without being free, then nothing else really works. Um, yeah. To me, freedom is really about being in touch with who we are, true. Not who we think we are or not who we've been conditioned to be, but who we really essentially are at our core. And right. so for me, my work is about helping people connect to what they are, which is the source of freedom. We become maybe disconnected from what we really are. And as a result from that uh, disconnection, we tend to seek uh a sense of freedom outside of ourselves. If I can make enough money, if I can, nothing wrong with that. If I can make enough money, have enough sex, get enough cars, get a bigger house, get a bigger job, be fake, whatever it is that we think that when we achieve is going to give us freedom and ultimately nothing outside of ourselves can give us that sense of freedom if we're not in touch with that ourselves. And so, uh, so my work is really about helping to, I don't coach people. I don't even teach people, even, even though I teach, I, I uncoach, I unteach, I help unconditioned people from sure. the programs and patterns that we have built up over time. From the moment we're born as children, right. we're, born, we're born free. If you look at yeah. a child, a child will jump on a table and sing and shout and run right. naked. It's not- No inhibitions. Am I fat? Am I this? Am I that? It doesn't care if it's not Bruno Mars or Michael Jackson. We are just <laughs> beingness, freedom mm -hmm. itself, the free, unselfconscious self-expression. But we start losing that because we're born into a kind of preset framework uh, of conditioning based on parents and grandparents yep. and generational patterns. And maybe we're born into some kind of trauma. As human beings, we all have some trauma. We all face some sure. dysfunction in our families. And so we meet our parents and our parents, they're just doing the best that they can do based on their parents and their right. grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. And so really a couple of things happen. The first thing that happens is we begin to shut down, disconnect, suppress all the feelings as a way to function and survive. And all those feelings right. that we don't uh, express and feel start to uh, layer and block the, the, the free essential essence, our true nature. Then we start uh, going into the world and we look around yeah. and the sense of who do I need to be in order right. to be loved? Who do I need to be in order to, to get love, validate, validation, approval? Maybe we act a certain way. Mom or dad looks at us a certain way. And then we're like, Oh, Oh shit. Okay. And <laughs> so we start to contort ourselves into right. a kind of shape of who we think we need to be to get love, validation and approval. And before you know it as a way to avoid pain, get love, we start to become this, person, this persona, this personality, this identity. And we, we start becoming this thing that we think we need to be in order to get love, validation, and approval. We think that's who we are. Mm -hmm. We live inside of this limited identity and we think that's who we are. And we often say, no, no, Anthony, this is, this is just me. It's just who I am. Right. But, but we feel so much potential inside of us. We feel so much love inside of us. We feel mm -hmm. so much inside of us that doesn't get out because it's locked inside of the pattern of our conditioning. And so really for me, the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And the degree to which we're conditioned, the degree to which we're not free to choose, that we're not free to be aware, we're not free to truly meet the moment and be present. And so what I help people do is become aware of their conditioning and live from the freedom 
of their essence and their true self and their authenticity. Because if we're not in touch with who we are, then even the goals that we uh, set for ourselves, you know, in self-help, you, you have to know what you want. You've got to clarify your vision, yeah, set your sure. goals, be specific. But the thing is, you might get what you thought you wanted only to realize mm, still dissatisfied, or you might get what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And if we're not yep. in touch with who we are, then what we think we want is not going to be what we really want. It's just going to be what we thought we wanted based on our, our conditioning. So I think the foundation is helping people connect to who am I really? To me, this is the foundational question. Who am I really? This truly? is amazing. Yeah. Because let me, let me tell you why this is, um, I mean, the listeners who are, you know, don't have the visuals, you know, don't see me gesticulating. Let me tell you why this is insane. And why <laughs> my intuition was correct that, that I think we, I believe that we're onto the same thing. I might be using a different word to freedom. I talk about, and you, you touched on it, authenticity and being true to oneself. Um, let, let, me, let me give you some things to maybe try and emphasize. I think what's exacerbated the exact thing that you talk about, and I talk about a lot as well, is with the proliferation of technology and specifically social media, the notion of FOMO and, you know, sort of people putting on this external garb so that maybe a virtual friend, you know, will endear, they'll be endear themselves to a virtual friend or they'll get a thumbs up from someone who they don't know. And what happened, what's happening, at least <clears throat> the thesis of a lot of what I talk about, is they build up a this whole external charade to try and placate or endear themselves to a virtual community. And they never work on the internal, really the internal essence. And, and, and it becomes a house of cards. And I often say, you know, especially in a city like LA, you land up with people spending money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. And the reason why when I was skimming through this and why I was excited to speak with you, growing up in South Africa, um, grew up in a very modest way, meaning, you know, most people think of Jewish, Caucasian South Africans having a lot of dough, grew up very modest. But my mom recognized in me, my late mom, that, I don't know if, you know, some kids like standing in front of a mirror and pretend they're Michael Jackson. For some reason, I was just standing in front of a mirror and pretending that I was, I guess, speaking, right? Which I see a little bit about your background. So she hired, like, must have cost them a fair amount of dough in those days, like a top, top uh, public speaker. And this public speaker's whole thesis was be real, be authentic. People connect with that. So the, what I feel, and I, I can see, I get sense with you, is there's a huge, there's not, not hundreds of thousands, millions, I think primarily of millennials that are leading lives of quiet desperation. And, they've, and it's an existential crisis. They've never really said, what are my strengths? What's my calling? What, you know, how can I best actualize my potential? And we all know what the very final destination is. How do I navigate through this journey called life um, and make the biggest difference, you know, be a person of integrity and character? It's all about trying to have fame, as you pointed out, wealth, and you and I both know none of that is synonymous with peace of mind. So well, I'm intrigued because it's, it's amazing. I feel like I'm speaking to a kindred spirit here is, I mean, I don't want you to give away the secret sauce. If, I, if I'm, if I'm out of line, 
please flag it. But I'm interested in your methodology when you, when you, when you speak to folks to help people realize that maybe they're just parroting or echoing things that they, that they've heard, which is not necessarily what they really believe. You know, how, how do you help people realize that they are sort of stuck in a, a stereotype that has been thrust on them by their parents or by society instead of being really true to who they, their, their race? Okay. In many ways, I don't have to make people realize anything. I think the fact that you, you as in you, whoever's listening, right. uh, may not feel fully alive is a sign that something is off. You know, if you're not feeling full joy, aliveness, yeah. uh, that's a sign. Or the fact that someone is feeling pain in one's life. To me, this is a sign. So if you're yeah. feeling pain, there's not much I have to say. The fact is you feel pain. You feel pain or not. Yeah, the pain could be emotional pain, heartbreak pain, not uh, fulfilling one's potential pain, not living one's purpose pain. So, so the, the, the pain is simply a signal. In many ways in our culture, you mentioned social media, what we tend to do is we feel pain. We think pain is bad. I actually say pain is a blessing. Pain is a gift. Pain is a joy. Pain is your friend. Pain has the ability to guide you and help course correct and navigate you to show you where you are betraying yourself, to show you where you're not aligned, to show you what you're not dealing 100%. with. And the, the things that we don't deal with at some point, we will have to deal with in our lives that will manifest as pain. And so to me, what we tend to do in our culture is we tend to deny the pain, suppress the pain, uh, avoid the pain. We sex it away, drink it away, smoke it away, social media away, whatever it is so that we don't have to feel the pain. And so I'm the pain. I don't have to get people to see anything. The pain is just a signal. And so I just uh, would invite people if they want to work, where can I begin? One place, one simple place to start is realize we've all been conditioned. That's number one. We've all been conditioned. And we have to be willing to, to become aware and question ourselves and question who we are. Who am I? Is who I am who I really am? Or is who I've just been conditioned to be? What do I really believe? What do I really feel? Then I think we have to be willing to look at all of the lies that we're telling ourselves. Like in, in authenticity or one of the things that keep us unfulfilled are all the ways we lie to ourselves, all the ways we bullshit ourselves, all the ways right. we rationalize, all the ways we don't tell the truth. We yeah. stay in relationships that aren't authentic, that aren't true, that we know we're no longer in love, but we stay because uh, our parents, we stay because of social media, we stay yeah. because of guilt or we've invested so much or fear of I'll never find love again. We settle in so many ways. We stay in jobs that we know is not an authentic expression of who we are. This is not the purpose for why we were born, but we stay just out of fear and survival. Yep. And so I think one of the places that we can start is by looking at, okay, what lies am I telling myself? And really just honestly be with that question. Look at what am I pretending to not know? Because in many ways, we're constantly playing this confusion game of pretending we don't know right. when we really do know. And then be willing to look at what is the cost and the pain and feel the mm -hmm. pain, acknowledge the pain. Someone might ask, well, Mukud, how do I know if I'm lying to myself, if I'm freaking lying to myself? How would I know if I'm lying to myself, if I'm lying to myself, if I'm in denial? There's a couple of signs that you might be lying to yourself and someone can tell me, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm not lying to myself. Life is great. Everything's yeah. wonderful. 
But if one of these things are there, likely there's, it's showing you where you may be lying to yourself. So number one, so this will like uh, bust you. Number one, you will feel some emotional pain, as in uh, yep. consistent emotional pain. The, the feeling of, oh, I feel so depressed. I'm feeling yep. depressed. I don't know why I'm depressed, but everything's fine. My life is fine. Mm, the depression is a sign. The depression, the, the resentment, the anger is yep. a sign that there's something you're suppressing, not dealing with, yep. not acknowledging, uh, self-betrayal in some way. So the depression mm -hmm. is a sign. Number Fair. two, sometimes the unacknowledged feeling, emotion, or lie will manifest as a physical ailment in some way, yeah. as a, a short-term neck ache, back ache, shoulder ache, eye ache, some physical somatic yep. thing, right? As yep. your unconscious manifesting to, to, to get your attention. Yep. Consistently, if we live that way, it may manifest as some dis-ease, cancer, thyroid, you know, the, the body has an intelligence and so sure. unconsciously what we don't deal with manifests and the sickness is not just physical, it's it's the part of our unconscious speaking to us through this disease or illness. Yep. It also might manifest uh, as you end up attracting people into your life and you right. say something like, uh, you know, Anton, Anthony, uh, why do I keep attracting uh, depressed people? Everyone else is depressed. Why is everyone, why do I keep attracting all these depressed, angry, resentful people? I'm fine, but everyone else is angry. The, look, the bottom line is we end up attracting these people as a sort of projection or mirror manifestation of what oh, we're not right. really acknowledging yep. ourselves. And so this is how, it, I just, we just have to get people to look at the reality of one's life. To me, right. life doesn't lie. Life doesn't like life is a mirror manifestation of our consciousness. So someone can tell me everything's great, but if shit's falling apart here yep. and that's off here and they're feeling off here, we have to start by looking at life, looking at the reality, telling the truth to oneself about where one is, where, where I'm at, what I feel, then we can uh, move forward from there. But so I, I say it always begins with, with the willingness to, to tell the truth to oneself. To me, truth is real spiritual practice. Truth is real yoga. Truth is real meditation. Truth yeah. is real prayer. Starts, the truth will set you free. Might first piss you off, might first upset you. It might shake things and people out of your life, but rest assured that whatever moves and falls and clears out of your life was probably not authentically aligned with who you were in the first place. And it was time for it to go. So doesn't mean it's not challenging. Doesn't mean it's not difficult. And yep. it might, it might mean that we have to allow ourselves to grieve the letting go to grieve yep. what we're having to release. But I believe that the next level of our life requires the next level of us. The next level of us requires that we let go of what's no longer aligned. So I think that's a place at least people can begin. So that's an, I, I, I think you you summarize it firstly terrifically. I think I can relate to all of that. So there's, I think these two groups of people that are driving down the freeway, they're listening to this podcast. Group number one, on a very visceral, intuitive level, are saying, you know, this dude is dead right, but it's much easier for me to go out and get wasted or let me go home and, and, you know, go into a trance so that I don't have to face it. It's too painful. That's one group. There's another group that, that I think is much more of, I think the audience uh, that you and I would probably feel 
that we can connect with. And that is, this guy is articulating everything that I feel. It's pretty scary that he's prepared to be so brutally transparent and candid on a public uh, forum. That's great. Okay, so now what do I do? So that group is going to say, there's no question I have emotional pain or I'm somatizing or I'm, I'm surrounded by a bunch of losers. That didn't happen by chance. This guy is obviously got a drone over my car and he's checking uh, and he's following me. <laughs> this guy is checking me out. Okay. Kit, you got me. You got me. Okay. What I'm, do I do? I, you tell, you tell the freaking truth to yourself. That's what you do. You stop, you breathe and you start radically telling the truth to yourself and you allow yourself to feel, to feel the pain, to feel the pain, to acknowledge the pain. Because many times we don't, we just, we, 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 we pop a pill, we go on social media, we do something, we do something so that we anesthetize the pain. We don't really 100%. feel it, which just allows us to keep going. So I'm actually saying acknowledge the truth. But here's the thing. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to acknowledge the truth because we're afraid that we're going to have to take action. So because we're afraid that we're going to take action, that we're going to have to take action. So we kind of live in a fog because if I don't know what the truth is and I don't tell myself the truth, then I don't have to take action. So I'm kind 100%. of confused. Much easier. So I would say take the pressure off of having to take action because when you take that pressure off and say, look, I don't have to take action, but let me just start with the truth. If you start there, that is huge. You might, well, what's next? It begins the process of everything. If you're able to courageously start telling yourself the no bullshit truth, I'm in a relationship, I've been married for 10 years, and I'm no longer in love. That is like 70%, 75% of the situation. Right. Because so, we don't even allow ourselves to do that because we're afraid of the consequences of our actions. So I hate my job. I'm in a job. I'm, I'm working for money, and I hate my job. And feel, allow yourself to feel the emotion, the feeling, the sensation, the pain, because that begins a process inside. Feel it, you know, and begin to realize that if you don't deal with it, if you don't deal with it, you will have to deal with it. You, it, it, it doesn't you go know. anywhere. You will have to, if you, if you like, well, I'm in a relationship, oh, let me bury my head in the sand, and I'm going to continue. You think you're not dealing with it, but over the next 20 years of your life, you're going to deal with it. Just kicking the can down the road. In the form, you're going to deal with it in the form of how miserable and how disconnected and how off you will feel, and how much you'll miss out on deep love, connection, intimacy. Let's say in that relationship. So you will have to deal with it at some point, and 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 it may not be uh, pleasant at, uh, for the next uh, duration of time. And so I think where we can start is with the truth. The wholehearted truth and feeling and surrendering and beginning to come into just a, a humble acceptance of this is where I'm at. You know, this is where I'm at. And it's okay. There's no judgment and feel. The feeling begins an internal process inside that starts to burn, that begins the movement, that, that moves you into action. And then start speaking the truth to people in your life. Start telling people, start having conversations. Take, and I would say it doesn't all have to be at once, but mm -hmm. you can start taking small steps in that direction as you question yourself and question your life and question your reality. And also, I think many times we go into the future 
and we start creating a negative future fantasy about all the worst things that will happen if i if i tell myself the truth and oh my god this is going to happen that's going to happen yeah. i'm going to be homeless uh, and so i think if we can take ourselves there and make peace with the worst case like really yep. just just make peace with it like okay if that's the worst case can i can i can i can make I peace with it? it most of the time most of the time we can most of the time i found that we can and most of the time the worst case if we're honest is really not as bad as we actually think and right. so the more we can just make peace with it right now and just be with this is the worst the worst case is i leave my job and what's the worst case then because we're already going into i'm going to be homeless and all, all of the, yeah, and, yeah, and the truth is the worst case i leave my job i start a new business spend some money maybe it doesn't work and then i go get another job kind of similar to what I'm already doing. So in fact, I'm actually already living my worst case. So <laughs> right. what, what do I have to lose? And so I think if we can make peace with that, that also helps as well. But the truth is the foundation. We really do that. That starts a process. I, it's amazing. I mean, I'm, just, I'm sitting here in a transfer. It's very interesting that, uh, you know, to, find, to speak to someone who has a very similar thesis. I, I, I have my thesis, my sort of way that I came around to thinking like this, but I'm, I don't want to impose it on you. Most people, I'm, t I have, I'm convinced, I speak to a lot of people, you do as well. There's no doubt that there are thousands of people listening to this that know intuitively this guy's in the zone. So here's my question to you. How did you come, how did you sort of get, I don't want to use the word epiphany, the sense of clarity of being real, being authentic, is you know it's is a is a product of nature nurture it's a pro, it was a part of a search to the extent that you don't mind sharing with us i'd be very interested um look as a young boy i was born in ghana west africa my father's from ghana my mother's japanese i grew up in london from a, a very young age i always did feel a deep uh, sense and desire actually innately to i wanted to, to help people in some way i wanted to impact people in some way so mm -hmm. this this desire was always inside of me i was very empathic very sensitive so i would feel people's pain and suffering as a six seven year old eight year old very deeply and and i wanted to like alleviate the suffering in some way and so this was how i grew up and but from a very young age uh, i was very observant and and i would watch people and and i got a scholarship to uh, a prestigious school i didn't come from very much money so got this amazing scholarship grew up around a lot of wealthy kids so their parents had money and they had every reason to be happy yet they were miserable and, like and, crazy. and i would question like why is it that they have every reason to be happy but they're miserable then i grew up around a lot of poverty around people that didn't have very much financially yeah. uh, and they seem fulfilled and happy and i thought they have every reason to be uh, unhappy but they're happy so this is confusing. This doesn't make sense to me. I'm confused, right? And, and so I began to question. I began to question. And, and, and for me, where it all started in terms of my background was I remember being age seven, age eight, lost in the crowd. I was born in Ghana, West Africa. Yeah. And, and, and about six, seven, eight in that zone, I was lost in the crowd. And I see this crippled woman. She picks up the sand. She wipes it on her face and she stands up. Call her the miracle. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, to be clear. This guy's walking, thousands of people. She picks, she's crippled, picks up the sand, wipes it on her face, stands up, she's healed. 
So I'm watching this, not thinking anything of it. Week after week, I see, I see blind people seeing, deaf people hear the same man who sent she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick, stand up. Boom. He look at a person with who, who you know, lost sight in one eye, touched their eye, their eyes would open. So I grew up seeing these miracles and, and I'll be honest, they weren't miracles to me. It was just normal. It was just like you and me sitting here, no big deal, have a cup of tea, and that's it. And so this man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. He had a huge church in London, had hundreds of thousands of followers. And so I grew up in a very spiritual environment. He was a very spiritual man. So for me, I was blessed to be born into a certain spiritual context when I was age eight. I started speaking in my father's churches, but when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister. But here's the thing. My father announces to his old congregation, 6,000 people in London, my son's taking over my ministry. He's the successor. I knew in that moment that that was not my truth. I knew in that moment that that was not my life. I knew in that moment that this is not right. It's not right. But I was too afraid to speak my truth because my fear was if I dared to be authentic, if I dare to speak my truth, if I dare to be who I am, I won't be loved by him anymore, by my father anymore. So I held it in for four years, internal turmoil, went through my own internal turmoil. I'm basically in a hell, you know, I'm going to lose my father. My life is over all this stuff. And when I was 18, I looked into my future and this is something people can do. You're asking, what can they do? I looked into my future. I had a decision to make. At that point, did my A-levels, was going to go to university. I decided to not go to university because I figured if I want to help people with life, I have to live life and get experience in life. And so as I looked into my future, I felt called to come to the U.S. I felt called to come to America. I wanted to come to America to meet mentors and teachers, all the authors I'd read about. And then I saw this other path. The path that was laid out for me, the path that was expected, the path that everyone expected me to take, all the pressure. And I looked into that future, age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50. And I saw that if I became successful, if I became successful being someone that I'm not, if I become successful living someone else's life, if I become successful living a lie, then what kind of success is that? If I become successful living a lie, I'm going to have to live this lie forever and ever and ever to get the love that I'm trying to get by living the lie. And the pain, when I really felt, felt, told myself the truth and felt into the pain of that, it was like, it was like my soul died. And when I felt that it it was hard, it was difficult, it was challenging, it was freaking heartbreaking, but it was feeling that I, I can't live that way the rest of my life. You know, I can't live that way till I'm 50 and 60 and 70 and I can't do it. And, and so yep. when I really felt it, my heart broke and I realized what I had to do as terrified as I was, as scared as I was, I realized I had to, I had to tell the truth to myself and I had to free myself. No one was going to do it for me. That's when I said, I need to have a conversation with my father, which at that moment, at 17, 18 years old was the scariest thing That's on the planet. That's a huge deal. Yeah, sure. It's huge thing. Huge thing for me to confront my father, for anyone to, you know, psychologically. Had the conversation with my father, was terrified. Uh, we didn't speak for two years. Two years we didn't speak. Wow. But cut a long story short, uh, I ended, I had the conversation, left, ended up winning a green card in the lottery, the green card lottery. And that statistically, that's insane. That's insane. That symbolized for me 
that yeah, when you really follow your truth, when you really live in alignment with your authenticity, with the flow, with life, yeah. then nature kind of supports you when you are living in alignment with nature. And that gave me a lot of, a lot of courage to come to the US with two suitcases. And one suitcase full of books and, and seminars, seminar books and seminar audios, and one suitcase full of clothes and eight, maybe a thousand dollars in my pocket and just showed up. Wow. And for me, that began my journey. And so there's been many moments along the path where I've had to face moments and break through moments and tell the truth. And there've been many moments when I remember one time when I first came to the US, a uh, couple of years, I was homeless. Uh, literally sure, homeless, homeless. 18 months, maybe it was homeless, living on couches, you know, and, and, and living on a couch with a guy who I thought was like a brother and a friend, but was a little, you know, not, not all there, <laughs> Bio, biochemically not all there. And I remember like the guy was screaming and shouting. It was so much turmoil that one day I remember saying, I need to leave this environment that was very toxic, but I was terrified yeah, sure. because literally I had no money. Literally, I was stealing bread from the supermarket just to eat and survive. Jeez. But I knew what I had to do. And I remember that moment when I said, I will never be truly successful if I stay in this environment, if I stay in this toxic energy, if I stay in this toxic friendship, if I stay on this couch and don't take responsibility for my life. Nobody owes me anything. Life owes me anything. God doesn't owe me anything. My father doesn't owe me anything. That's the moment I realized nobody's coming. And that's the moment I realized I had to take complete responsibility for myself and my life and tell myself the truth that I can't go to the next level staying where I'm at. And it was scary because to own that means I, I need to leave. And I left, left. I literally left, no money. Begged, and anyway, it's a long story, but how old, was, just, just, uh, can I say, how old were you in this part of the, the, the story? I must have been 22, 21, 20, you know. Uh, it was up and down for the first few years, but it was, it was scary. And so, so there've been many moments where I've had to tell the truth and literally uh, take the leap. So mm -hmm. when I share, I don't share out of like uh, some theory. I share out of my life experience and jumping out of the, off of the mountain without a net, you know, jumping off of the mountain without a parachute and saying, all I know is, this is what my soul is guiding me to do. All I know is my soul is guiding me to go in this direction. And I believe that when you, here's what I believe, when you surrender to your soul, when you surrender to your truth, when you surrender to what's real, you will always end up in the right place with the right people. You just might not take the route or the roadmap that you most expected, but you will end up in the right destination always. And when you don't and you follow someone else's path, What's yours will miss you because you're not on your path. But when you follow your path, what's yours will always be there because you're on your path. It just may not be uh, on the timing that we expect. And so, yeah, that's a little bit of my journey. No, it's amazing. We, if I close my eyes, I can hear my, so much of what I, uh, <clears throat> you know, which the, the, the narrative that I have, people of myself, I don't think there's too many people like us in this world. And, I, and I'm saying that there's no narcissism. There's no, it's much easier, it's much easier to follow the crowd. It's much easier to be a, a clone. It's much easier to use vernacular and wear the clothes at Madison Avenue or social media is telling you and be all dressed up with nowhere to grow. I mean, it's much easier, but I think that for different ways, and you know, this is about you, but we probably have a very high threshold for pain. And you can look in the mirror and meet yourself. And a lot, a lot of people would prefer to go 
through life stoned or in acute cognitive dissonance than face themselves? It, it, it takes courage. It takes courage to yeah. be who you are in a world that is constantly convincing you, conditioning you, programming yeah. you, hypnotizing you, seducing you to be something that you're not. It takes tremendous courage to be human. But I think when we realize the real purpose of life, the real purpose of life, yeah, to me, we're, we're, we're souls, uh, we're consciousness souls that we incarnate into this human existence. We incarnate because there's certain lessons that are souls. We're here to learn. We're here to learn, grow and evolve. Otherwise, we don't need to be here. And every yeah. experience, every situation, every relationship, every difficulty, every challenge, Everything we go through is simply the, the university, the classroom for our soul's evolution. When we realize that, then we realize the real purpose of life. Many times we forget the purpose of life because we've sure. been hypnotized and we've been distracted in media and programmed and our attention is so distracted. Shiny think it's, about, it's about just getting this and getting that. Nothing wrong with material stuff, but ultimately you take none of that with you at the end of yep. your life. But when we really remember and understand the real purpose of life is to learn the lessons inherent in every situation, in every relationship, to learn the lessons to grow and become who we really are, to learn the lessons and realize our true nature, then we start shifting our perspective from a one-dimensional goal-oriented focus to a soul-oriented focus. And then our definition of success changes. Our success is less about whether you achieve it or whether you don't achieve it. It's more about who you become in the process and the degree to which you learn the lessons in the process and the degree to which we evolve in the process of living itself. Life is a process of evolution. Life is about growth. If we're not evolving, what the hell are we doing? And so I think everything is a vehicle for us to grow and evolve. And so long as we understand that, then it's less about what happened and what didn't happen. It's more about the lessons and the evolution and, and the degree to which we, we, we raise our consciousness. So you're absolutely, not only you're preaching to the choir, you're speaking to someone who, it's amazing. I'm, I'm hearing myself with an English accent. <laughs> why, why is it, could, why is it that, that, at least my experience is whenever I, I speak with, and it's primarily millennials, they petrify to go anywhere near the, the concept of soul and the concept of this is, you know, and it's, it, I remember back in law school, the lead singer of the police thing was, was speaking about spirits in a material world. So it's not, yeah. a, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I have not felt that with millennials necessarily. I mean, maybe some millennials, maybe, maybe, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's just millennials. It's just, you know, look, here's, here's what I would say. I think it can be scary for us sometimes, not, not everybody, as human beings, because I think at the deepest level, there is a deep intuitive sense and knowing of what we are and, yeah. and, and, and infused in every desire. We are really what we're seeking is the reconnection, the reunion, the 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 what we're seeking is the divine. What we're seeking sure. is the the reconnection with our soul, with our transcendental nature. experience. That, that, that's what we're seeking. You have an orgasm, you dissolve. It's like mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you 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 drink for a moment. That the 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 egoic contraction grip of one's sure. identity loosens you do a drug it's like oh I, and so really you buy a handbag you buy a car you get that thing for a moment there's a moment of 
And so mm-hmm. what we're really seeking is we're seeking the infinite, the challenges, we're seeking it in the wrong places. We're seeking 100%. for freedom in the transitory. We're seeking for, for the infinite in the finite. Mm-hmm. And, and the challenge is everything here is finite. It's temporary. It, it, it comes and it goes, you know, and it's, it's destroyed and it's created. And so we're just seeking it in the wrong place. And so, um, so I think we're hardwired in our nervous system to, to, to seek oneness, but we're just looking in the wrong place. You know, that's all. And it can be sometimes scary to seek soul in a certain sense, because the ego, uh, the ego, which is simply the sense of who we and what we perceive ourselves to be, what we identify ourselves to be. Ego is not necessarily a thing. It's just a process of identification based on name, body, form, culture, history, memories, beliefs, values that we attach to. And then we say, me, that process of identification is really ego. Yep. Uh, the job of the ego, that, that aspect of us, is to reinforce itself. And so mm-hmm. the ego is constantly trying to reinforce its sense of, I exist, I'm real, I'm this body, I'm this person, I'm this thing, sure. I'm, this, I'm this identity. Yep. And so to speak of soul, which is really saying, well, well no, you're not, you're more. You're more than just this body. No, yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, and, and all of society, advertising, media, you know, commercials. Mm-hmm. You're this ego. You're this ego. You're this ego. We constantly need to be programmed that we're this ego so that we can buy more stuff for the ego, right? Right. And, and, and so we're constantly in the matrix that's being conditioned in like a corkscrew, tighten, tighten, tighten to believe in the. Uh, in the story, in the fiction mm-hmm. of me-ness and, and the reality of me, which is really a great reality show, by the way. Sure, and sure. so I think when we speak of soul, it, it, it's kind of like a, it can be a little th- threatening yeah. to the ego to say, oh, I, I'm not just this body. I'm a soul. Yeah. I'm a soul that's eternal, beyond birth, beyond death. And so there can be an initial, initial yeah, no, resistance to like, mm-hmm. hey, Anthony's telling me I'm more. What do you mean? No, no, no. It's amazing. And, and so that's all it is. But there is still an intuitive, deeper knowing of what we are. And all we're doing is we're seeking that oneness. We're just seeking in one place. So it's amazing. I think that you, you'll be able to relate to, you know, in life, I think we have seminal moments which, which really uh, help us get clarity. For me, um, Soon after graduating from Harvard Law School, it so happened that I got, um, I'll end up getting a file. I was some first, first few months of, I was a very famous musician. You would know them. And I ended up befriending the counsel on the other side um, who invited me to their home. <clears throat> and on a Sunday, everyone who was an anyone was at this whatever barbecue. Could you, and again, you'll relate to this. Every name that you can imagine. I drove out of this palace and I was sick to my stomach because I, ne- I, I don't think under one roof I've ever met so many dysfunctionally unhappy and, and people that were clearly just were, were not centered. And I realized they've got all the dough in the world. They've got all the fame in the world. 
There's no peace. They've got no sense of why they're there. That was the beginning for me to say, I'm not signing up, you know, in the entertainment industry. It's insane. So here's, I'm going to ask you two uh, pretty tough questions, I think, because I, I, I sense this. I think what you're saying resonates with a ton of people. And I think that you've got the guts and the courage to take the road less traveled. So let's say, <clears throat> um, you know, there's some people that listen to the show that are pretty major people in the media you know, business. They listen to the show and they say, one second, this guy's onto something. You get a call after this podcast. Obviously, I'm making this up, but I want to make a point. To uh, host a talk show on a major network, hundreds of millions of screen, uh, you know, potential screens, and there's my buddy, Mr. Blackson, now ascending up to world fame, right? Do you think, I think I, I, I'm projecting because a part of me also struggles with this. As your profile and as your reputation uh, seems to gather momentum and your message resonates with more people, do you, is there any internal conflict between authenticity being true to yourself and then a part of you saying, wow, this is pretty cool. I've got the adoration of thousands of people that think I'm this guru. Okay, so what's the question? The question is, is it possible to stay on message, be authentic, right? Sure. And also know that as you become more popular and as, you're, as more people are following you, that's going to have a financial correlation for you. So it's tempting to make let me tweak the message a little bit because you know oh, i mean i can only speak for myself yeah um look for me personally uh it's all what i do is really never been about me it's been a calling and yeah uh, i sense that for me it's a calling you know i see a lot of people in self-help now uh, because it's become a little sexy. I like make a little money as a side hustle on the side. For me, yeah. it's been a calling. I was doing this shit when I was broke. I was doing this. Look, I lived in my father's church. We had no money. My bedroom was smaller than most people's toilets. Literally, literally uh, fit a small bed in it. And, and I had to walk sideways into my bedroom. Yes. And I would sneak out. A lot of people don't know this, but I would sneak out in the middle of, I'd do my homework. This is as a 12-year-old kid, okay? I would do my homework, 8 p.m., read a self-help book, two hours, and then i sneak out to my father's church next door, right there, connected to the church, in the middle of the night with the lights off, pitch black. And as, imagine a 12-year-old chubby kid all the way <laughs> to the age 18. I would give seminars, Amazing. To the, to the empty chairs. Empty chairs. No cameras, no social media. I'm not posting myself saying, hey, look what I'm doing. No one is around. There's no ego. There's not. It's just the love of my soul for, for what I felt called to do. I would speak and give seminars to the empty chairs, imagining souls around the world being inspired for two, three hours a night on weekends, four or five hours on a Saturday. You know, and then go to church for six, seven hours, literally from, from two to seven on, on Sunday. And so for me, the love of what I do, the love of what I, of what I feel called to do, 
I was doing it when no one was in the audience, literally, you know? And, and so for me, it's a calling and it comes Kidding. from a deep desire to, to serve people. So I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it one on one when there's no one around, just, just work with thousands of people one on one. It's not a sexy thing because there's no crowds, there's no adulation, but yeah. the purity of and the sacredness that you have when another soul entrusts you with Huge. their evolution. When another person says, I trust you with my soul evolution, and you have the, as a coach, facilitator, speaker, you have the ability to impact the soul and the soul evolution for eternity. That is a huge responsibility. Humanity. To me, that is, that is not business. That is, that is a privilege. It's a calling. It's, it's a blessing. It's a gift. So I believe that 100%. every soul that has come to me when I used to work a lot one-on-one, all my seminars, all my large-scale seminars, when I stand in front of five, eight, a thousand people, two thousand people now, I look out and I feel so privileged because I remember that time when I was this 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid imagining the souls and I'm like, oh, here's the souls that I had some kind of agreement with. So it's really very humbling, Amazing. you know? So for me, it's about service. It's always been about service. If it was just about money, there's probably many things I would have tweaked and done in my career already to just go for the money, to get on the bandwagon of what was popular. And I've sure. never been one who has done what's popular. I invite people. If you want to impact people, don't follow what's popular, follow what's authentic, follow what's true, follow what's you. Don't just try yep. to be some copycat version of someone <clears throat> else. For instance, when I was 22 years old, uh, just beginning my career, uh, I was promoting seminars for motivational speakers. Then yeah. one day I decided to do my own seminar, my own event, uh, true story. Um, this kept me in check, right? Talking about, yeah. can you keep yourself in check? Uh, here I am, young kid, very ambitious, want to impact people. I want to put 200 people in a room. <laughs> this is pre-social media. And, I, and I've worked my butt off, man. Phone calls, you know, old school. No cell phones, phone calls, phone calls, phone calls. Trying to put people in the room, sending out faxes to people. Jeez. Everyone hoping everyone's going to show up, pay at the door. I'm pumped up. I get a haircut. Put, I have one suit. Put my suit on where, you know, when you used to wear suits back then, it was cool. And so I show up at the hotel venue. I can't afford an assistant, so it's just me. I show up at the hotel venue, seminar's supposed to start at 7.30, 6.30, I'm there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Finally, a couple of people come in, they sit down, you know, next thing, I'm waiting for people, waiting for people. I realized 7.45, two people in the room. Anton, two people in the room, I kid you not, two people after wow. all, all that hard work. All the blood, sweat, and tears, the hundreds of hours of being on the phone, calling people, calling people, and calling people. And I just want to help people. I've got two people. And one of those people is my good friend. <laughs> so she brought her friend. So there's really only one person in the room. At that point, I decided, I came out and I said to her, her name, uh, her name was Lindsay. I said to her, so Barbara, Barbara Lindsay. I said to her, uh, you know, Barbara, uh, I mean, let, let's postpone this because no, no one's really here. So we'll do this again, put more people in the room. Yep. She looked at me, she looked at me and she said, what do you mean no one's here? I'm here and my friend's here and we came to be inspired. Amazing. So we want our transformation. 
I took myself to the men's room, the, the, the restroom, cried for about 15 minutes. My oh, eyes, because I felt like a complete failure. My ego was crushed, right? And then I realized, cool, remember why you're in the game. Remember why you're in this. Remember why you do this work. It's to serve. And if it's to serve, then there are people that have come to be served and inspired. Took myself outside for the next two hours. Two people, one who was my friend. I delivered the best seminar of my life. And that moment really reminded me of, of, of the real purpose of why I do what I do. And I've just... I, I do my best to try to not forget that. And whether there's 20 people I'm teaching, whether there's a thousand people, 2000 people, a soul is a soul, you know, and you just never know what one person, how one person who's been impacted, what can happen in their life, who they can impact and their soul's evolution. So that's where I come from. Amazing. How, so you, you, what's the maybe i'm nitpicking at semantics the difference between what you're saying is transformation you know transformational teacher inspirational speaker a coach again you know labels are yeah, so to, look today i call my labels are labels today i just call myself a transformational teacher a transformational truth teacher i help people transform and get in touch with the truth of who they are that's really what i do when i speak is it inspiring sure but is it just inspiring no it gets people a little uncomfortable it gets people questioning it 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 starts a transformational process inside which is just different than pumping someone up or just pure inspiration and are your are your clients you know, uh, my next door neighbor, are they CEOs of companies? Are they? I, I've worked with, honestly, uh, in 20 years, I've worked with everybody. One-on-one, I've worked with people in groups, small groups, large groups, the whole range. I've worked with uh, just regular folks, the next door neighbor, the mother next door, the mother of three kids, circus performer, porn star, uh, salesperson, insurance agent, real estate agent, uh, business people, Billionaires, Inc. Magazine wrote an article about me calling me the mindfulness guru to the billionaires because I work with uh, 20, some, 20 some billionaires in a kind of short period of time and some movers and shakers that literally run countries, run continents. And so I've been privileged to work with everyone. And ultimately, on some level, everyone is really the same at the, at the deepest level. We're all just souls really evolving in our journey, just different, just different classrooms. That's all. And it's amazing. It's amazing because I can I can hear your sincerity. I can hear your, for sure, it's a calling. This is not about, as you said, this is not about reverse engineering a way of how can I get people to put money in their pocket and give it to me. That's clearly not who you are. I, I, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and and I, have, I have nothing against making money because you need to make money to to, to impact more people. But, but it's never been about, oh, what's the niche and how can I make money? Yeah, yeah. It's really been about how can I be of service? How can I be of service? And I think for speakers, coaches, people in this industry, I really hope that this time on the planet and COVID and pandemic or whatever we want to label this time is getting people back in touch with the true purpose and true reason for why they felt to go into this industry. I hope it shakes out all the, all the, all the hustlers, all the yeah. car, car salesmen who just wanted yeah. to sell, sell some product just to sell some product because you are dealing with the most sacred thing, people's souls. And we have to come first and foremost, nothing wrong with making money. I hope we all make money, but we Mm -hmm. have to first and foremost come 
from a sacred humility of serving service to another soul. To me, that is what it's about. Fantastic. So I want to be respectful of time. And here's what, what, I, what I try and ask, um, you know, all of my guests. Two, three questions. And this is, I, I'm very taken aback by what we've discussed. It's very, very similar to, I think, a lot of what I, uh, what I talk about, my life thesis, but I can hear in you, it's also very, very genuine. If a genie comes out of the bottle and says three things, whatever you, whatever you desire. Three things to, to who? To me? To, to you. That, that, that uh, comes out of the bottle and says three things to you, whatever you wish that will help you feel that your calling is touching as many people as as possible in this sojourn called life, knowing that after X amount of time, whatever this means, you're going to meet your maker and you're going to have to have an accounting of, listen, I gave you a certain amount of intelligence. I gave you, how did you do? So I'm going to give you this genie to say, I'm going to prepare to throw through three tools in your toolbox that will help for you to actualize your potential in this journey called life. What, what would you ask for? This is for, for the audience. If the genie came out and said, I'm going to, uh, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. And as you sit and you speak to me right now, uh-huh. what would you want? What would I want? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, at this stage, my, my highest prayer, my highest want and desire at this stage is to be of highest service to the universe. That's really my, my desire. And whether that means, you know, wealth, abundance, sure, I would love that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, make a billion dollars, sure. But what my real prayer is, more than anything, is I just want to be used in the highest way possible, uh, whatever that looks like, moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, to reach as many people as possible in the most impactful way possible. And that my prayer is to be used. And, you know, that's, that's where I'm at, is really surrendering. It's a, it's, it's a surrender to life use me. Life use me. When I look at all the great ones, Mandela, Jesus, uh, Mother Teresa, they all surrendered and they said, use me. Yeah. Life, life used them in ways that they couldn't even plan. To me, the key is surrender. Mm-hmm. We just got to surrender purely. Surrender is not giving up. It's not no, being so- weak. Surrender is to let go and allow life to move through us and manifest through us. So surrender is the password to freedom. I noticed in our discussion that you use the word, you, you know, life, uh, in nature. If you could meet Anyone on the planet, dead or alive, you get 10 minutes of them one-on-one. Oh, that, that, that's, that, that's easy, man. Uh, my mother. Wow. My mother passed away. And uh, just to spend time with her again. That's awesome. That's, that would be the best thing I could experience. If, talk about if there was a wish, yeah, it would be to spend time with my mother again. How do people learn a little bit more about you? And with, and with that, we can, we can talk. We can sure, yeah. People, people can find out more about my work and they can, my book, The Magic of Surrender, available okay. on Amazon. Uh, you are the one available on, on Amazon. Uh, my website, Coot Blackson, K-U-T-E, Blackson, uh, Find out all about my work there. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on, on Facebook. World's a better place for people like you in the world, Coot. It's been Thank an you, honor sir. and a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers.